Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Being a parent can be really challenging. It's normal to feel uncertain about whether you're doing the right things to raise healthy and happy children. That's why Child and Family Resource Network focuses on connecting pregnant parents and those with kids under the age of five with free support services to help them build confidence in their parenting journey. Everyone deserves to have someone they can turn to for support with parenting. Visit ChildAndFamilyResourceNetwork.org today. Being a parent can be really challenging. Child and Family Resource Network focuses on connecting pregnant parents and those with kids under the age of five with free support services to help them on their parenting journey. Everyone deserves someone they can turn to for help with parenting. Visit ChildAndFamilyResourceNetwork.org today. Special Operations. Covert Ops. Espionage. The Team House. With your hosts, Jack Murphy and David Park. Merry Christmas, everyone. This is episode 126 of the Team House. I'm Jack Murphy here with Dave Park. And we have a special episode for you today. We are visited by artist Mark Lee. Mark is, uh, you know, he focuses really on contemporary military art, but also a lot of superhero art. And I think that many of you out there in our audience have already seen his work, whether or not you know it's Mark, uh, but I'm pretty sure you've seen it. He also did the artwork for all of my novels over the years. So from Direct Action, Target Deck, Reflexive Fire... Gray Matter Splatter. This is all Mark's work. Um, so as far as I'm concerned, he's the best in the business. That's why I love working with him. And I'm just really happy to have you here uh, to talk to us today, Mark, and just chill out. And we're going to talk about you and your background in the Singaporean military, uh, your process, how you got into becoming an artist, and how you go about creating your art. And we have some examples that you'll be able to show during the, during the show itself. So thank you for joining us today. All right. Thanks for having me, man. Thanks, guys. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, how do you guys want to start? Really, we, we so, want to start with your origin story, man. Like all good superheroes. Mark. Okay. Yes, I feel that. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, well, origin story. I'm born in 1984, so I'm not going to go obviously all the way back. But um, I was, I guess, I've always been interested in drawing since young. So, if I could, I would have found you some drawings back from 1994. I think that's the earliest I can remember, like drawing robots and aeroplanes, you know, I think as most kids would have. Then um, I went to, uh, I guess, high school, what you guys would call it, and then um, poly. So polytechnic is a tertiary education, and that's where I think I picked up most of the basic skills. Um, the course was about animation and stuff. So I only went to that course basically, uh, basically because I was told that there's no exams you know, so I'll be able to draw most of the time. So, okay, I thought that was a pretty cool place to be. Uh, when there, spent about three years, you know, getting the basic ropes of things and um, eventually graduated 
went to the army after poly and came out, uh, went to Melbourne for a couple of years to study, further my studies, and then stayed there for one more year, so three years in Australia, and then back in Singapore. And yeah, I mean, professional artist since, I think, 2000, 2006. And so doing as, this since then. as a, uh, a, a young man growing up in, in Singapore, I mean, is it pretty competitive to get into some of those art schools? Oh, I think uh, that's really dependent on your family background. Um, for one thing, I think given the Asian culture, you know, most of these parents here, they're not very... Um, they would dissuade most of their kids from doing art because right. it's not really something that you would think of as, uh, you know, well, it's financially viable. And, you know, most Singaporean parents, I think they're more traditional in the sense that, okay, um, you know, I want to have a doctor, lawyer, you know, typical, stereotypical Asian kind of Tiger family, mom. right? But yeah, I mean, thankfully, I've had good parents. So I think most people don't really know this. My dad was a graphic designer. My mom was a uh, clothing designer. So oh, I actually cool. do have a bit of... Uh, um, I guess you would call it family roots in that sense. Mm, yeah. So a lot of the skills, like um, simple things like mounting and uh, doing good line work, I actually picked up from my dad. My mom actually provided me a lot of like um, uh, materials, like color pencils, markers to mess with as a kid. So I think probably some of that helped to rub off on me and you know the advice from them. So in terms of industry-wise, I think it's it's competitive today. Because government here is actually pushing for it. But back then, uh, it was pretty much really small. So I joined, um, after I graduated and left the army, I actually managed to, I was lucky enough to join this small studio called uh, Imaginary Friend Studios. So I, I was under a pretty good bunch of bosses and really fantastic colleagues back today. So this is where I met like uh, guys like Archer, uh, Kitakumuki, Kunka. You know, I mean, these are old school now. And back then, our studio was considered like one of the best uh, regionally, or maybe even like I think some of the guys in the states have had heard of us, you know, because digital art was still very young back then. And um, back then, I think you know, like I said, the market wasn't that uh, wasn't that big yet. Most of the big studios are still American based, but for a small studio to come up from say Southeast Asia, right, that, was, that was really uh, unusual back then. Yeah. Today, you have a lot like. Malaysia, Philippines, um, you know, Singapore, there's a few, but yeah. And where was the, the intersection between your artistic work and the military, which is, which features <laughs> into your work a lot now? I mean, did that, did that start when you did your national service or was it already kind of as an adolescent male, oh, was really, it already there? It's really there. Um, I think <laughs> back in the day, I really liked, uh, my first love was actually aircraft. So my my really big inspiration or love for back then was like the F-14 Tomcat. You know, I think probably Top Gun might have spurred that on, you know, uh -huh. back in the day. Everybody wanted to be a pilot and all that. And for me, obviously, I have, you know, specs. So no pilot's <laughs> license or anything. So it's just drawing all the way. Um, and I remember seeing like pictures of, you know, Dick Kramer? Mm -hmm. I'm sure... People know Dick Kramer. I mean, if you're into military art, like oh yeah, 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 old Very school, famous, like special mm -hmm. operation, uh, yeah, yeah. Does, military does artist, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So his stuff was like mind-blowingly awesome to me back then. You know, it's like I never seen anything like that to be able to render to his skill. Um, it's amazing, you know. So 
uh, I was really interested, but I didn't know anything about like special operations and all this back in the day. And it was just like, you know, drawings of soldiers and all this. Um, and then little by little, I think it's like little bits and pieces here and there. I just pick up magazines. Oh, look, it's a really cool looking like a uh, gun. And that time I didn't even know what it was called. It was, uh, it was an MP5. But like I was asking around, you know, there's no internet back then. How do you search for these things? I asked like grown ups who knew. It's like, oh, it's a gun. Okay, fine. I have to go and search for it myself. So I start to look up on books on like, um, you know, spec ops units. I mean, you don't call them spec ops back then. It's all, everybody's all special forces. There's no distinction between special forces and special operations back in the right. 90s, right? Right. So that was where I start to pick up a little bit of information here and there. And then I actually started buying like uh, model kits, mm-hmm. those little 135 scale yeah, yeah. Uh, miniatures and started painting them. That's actually how I actually learned about all this. Um, like Rangers, Lerps in Vietnam. That's also one of my first big loves back in the day. Um, yeah, so a lot of books and stuff back then. And then I think slowly, you know, um, only in the recent, maybe like, I think 2010 onwards. I think since I met Jack, it's like only then onwards I actually started doing more military stuff. Before that, it was a lot more commercial fan art and like, you know, um, different, like, contemporary pop culture stuff mark since our channel focuses i mean we definitely want to get to a lot of your art but were you since our channel focuses a lot on like military and intelligence and things like that were you when you were a child even though you had compulsory service were were you interested in the military or was it just an inevitable thing that was going to happen I think there was some interest because we for one thing Singapore may be small but we had really really good advertisements it's like oh we just show you all the fantastic aircraft and like the soldiers coming out you know the war and all that and then when you get into the army you realize it's it's actually a lot of shit you know it's like the whole wait to rush rush to wait everything's not working right but uh yeah i think there was some interest but there was like this whole built-up aura of like how good the army really was and then when you get inside, you realize, oh, okay, it's not quite what you think it is, but yeah. it's an interesting experience nonetheless. Um, yeah, I guess the interest has always been there somewhat. And and what, for those of us who don't know, like what are some of the regional or interest of the Singaporean military? And w- like what are some of the challenges that they face, uh, whether it's domestically or, or, or internationally? Well, uh, I think this is where the sensitive thing comes in because it's always been that whole, uh, historically, it's always been like uh, a bit more of a, like bigger neighbors, mm-hmm. especially our neighbor up north, mm-hmm. you know. Like if you were to talk about, I think the focus will always be on like a defensive nature. How mm-hmm. do we make sure that the military is, um, what's the word? It's a... Oh, really? Right, like Sorry, pre- my, re- my prepared to repel an cabinet. attack or an invasion if that were to happen. Yeah, you know, it, it's basically a a measure that you don't want people to come and mess with you. Oh, a deterrent. Sorry, I, I can't. Yeah, yeah this, that's the yeah. word I'm calling yeah. deterrent. So it's basically that. I mean, we do have guys sent out to uh, the Middle East, you know, for peacekeeping. And I think that time when there was like a tsunami or something in uh, Indonesia. Mm-hmm. So mainly peacekeeping and like uh, assistance missions that you get sent overseas. But if not, it's mostly local. Okay. And what was your experience like since it's 
national service, it seems like the boot camps would be massive. Like, how do they process those people? And, and what was your experience like? Oh, culture shock, man. <laughs> I think, um, unlike like uh, unlike the states where you know you have a certain culture and like a history of like uh, you know a militia or uh, you know there's guns, right? Like that kind of mentality doesn't sit with Singaporeans in general because you know, it's a peaceful country and we don't have that notion of like um, defense. Mm-hmm. In fact, I think most of my generation. And the younger generation nowadays, it's like national service is a waste of time. Um, for me, where I went in with no real impressions besides, oh, the army looks pretty cool. And then you actually find out there's a lot of nonsense, like bureaucracy, right? So uh, you go in, there's the about two months of basic. And that's where you see all the uh, the coxes and all the, uh, the fuck-ups. Like people doing all sorts of weird shit, you know. Like bootlaces, which... I had a friend who didn't know how to tie his bootlace for eight weeks, but somehow he kept it hidden from the sergeant, you know, until like the very last night before the graduation. And then it was raining and shit. And the guy was basically the, the sergeant just ragged on him. He made him, it was the after shower and everything, you know, like RO last orders, right? He threw him out into the rain, asked him to go and like do laps and shit just to punish him, I think. You know, but um, yeah, basic is interesting. So it's about eight months, and then uh, you have another eight. Sorry, eight weeks, and then another eight weeks of uh, graduation to unit, and then after that, it's uh, unit all the way until you uh, finish your national service term. You were in a uh, a scout or a recon platoon, right? Yeah. So for me, after uh, finishing basic. I went to uh, what you call guards. I think guards is kind of like our heavily born troops. So they are considered one tier above infantry, I guess, if you want to put it that way. Kind of like Marines, maybe? I, would, I wouldn't I would really want to comment on like the competency or not because I think the, the responsibilities are very different. But they are meant to go ahead and more of an assaulting force. So... Within the guards units itself, there are the various uh, uh, battalions or something. I think battalions. So mine was the Reki Company, which is the sister company for the for the uh, snipers. So that was like, I think, two two months or eight weeks of uh, guards training and Reki training at the same time. If I'm not wrong, sorry, it's been a really long time, so I can't yeah, remember that, everything. That's okay. Did you? Yeah, so, did you yeah. volunteer for like? I'm really uh, sorry to. I, <laughs> there's so many questions. The whole idea of compulsory service is very interesting. Did you volunteer for the branch of service that you wanted, and then did you volunteer to go into guards? How did that process happen? Hell no. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think most of us were like, oh, you know, if we can get a cushy two two years in national service, that's fine. Um, so actually, before I graduated uh, basic, right, they will actually have. So this is where it it this, uh, people have different stories, like whether you're actually pre-assigned to a unit, or you're actually actively uh, interviewed for a unit. So I know for a fact that um, I had two interviews, so-called interviews, right? Before you graduate, there was one which was military police. So these guys come in and they're like, okay, you know who. 
uh, they call out a few names. And I think my, mine was among, you know, this bunch of guys from my company we were called out. And then, uh, you know, you go for your, like, they just mess with you and say, okay, you know, do marching and stuff, see whether your legs are straight. Okay. You seem like you're okay. All right. We might bring you in. They won't say yes or no, obviously. And then there was one day, like further down the week, there was another interview. So we heard, oh, hey, guys, there's an interview for HQ. Now, HQ, the assumptions that HQ means you sit in a cushy job right. in the staff office, right? right. <laughs> so we went down to the uh, the uh, hall for for this, you know, the gathering of like all the guys got called out where the guys were going to come interview us. And then we saw one guy walk in, and this guy had a brown berry. The brown berry in Singapore means guts, and guts are what you, what we like to call the fucked up commandos because we're not as elite as commandos, but we are like one tier below. So we always consider like, uh, you guys, not you're better than infantry, but you're not as good as commandos. Kind of like fucked up commandos. So when we saw the guy in the back brown berry, we were like, oh shit, it's not a cushy job, <laughs> you know. And then we realized it's not just guards, but guards recce. So. Uh, Recce is, you know, I mean, you guys would know that Recce is, uh, for us, it's to get on, uh, for us, it's bikes. Uh, the scouts ride jeeps. Uh, for Recce unit, we actually ride uh, motorcycles. So if all the kids stored on the back, uh, I think it's a 72-hour, usually, operation. Like, you go out, Recce, and then you come back. Yeah. Yeah, one of, it was interesting. I remember talking about this years ago with you about since uh, for people who don't know, I mean, Singapore being a city state, you guys were able to get around on bicycles for most of your day to day job and missions, right? Yeah. Um, well, I was just not bicycles. I was just motorbikes. Motorbikes. So, yeah, um, there are areas of Singapore where there's like jungle uh, terrain where they actually, I think the government just keeps it for training purposes and also, you know, for like conservation. So there are pretty big stretches of jungle in Singapore where uh, we have all our little exercises and training and all that. You can actually get lost still, even though like the country is really small. I mean, it's smaller than New York, I think, if I'm not wrong. You know, so, but it's a fun time. Though. I mean, I actually enjoyed my outfield days more than the in-camp training days because like outfield, you know, it's just four guys running around the jungle doing whatever you need to do. And I do enjoy the outdoors because I grew up with like uh, my dad and I would go and catch bugs, you know, go fishing and all that. So it was pretty enjoyable for me when they're not getting ragged on or like punished, you know. But yeah, it's a good experience, I think. So after boot camp and all your training, was the day to day life in the Singaporean military, was it was it still like very strict and very regimented and very uh, formal? No. No, it, 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 I mean, you know, I think like basic because you have all the idiots and all the weird people, you kind of want to mold them into something usable. Right. So uh, once you pass out from basic and then you go through your um, conversion course to unit, once you're off unit, that's it. I, I think a lot of it just boils down to basic discipline. Like, you know, you don't do stupid things. Right. Like, uh, you know, you just don't break the rules too, obviously. I think they leave you well alone pretty much. Just your day-to-day duties and stuff like that. Yeah. So is, is that your brown beret behind yeah. you? Yeah. It's like two thousand. Yeah, brown beret and the recce hat. Can so. we can we see it, Mark? <laughs> Old man, it's like super dusty. It's a part of a part of your history. It's a part of Singaporean military history, right? Yeah, I think I it's know, really right? cool. Yes, so. Well, we got Dave's beret right here, right behind us on our yeah, set. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah. yeah, it's dusty too. 
and old. Yeah. I don't think it fits anymore, though. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I don't think anything I had from back in those days fits. That's super cool, oh, man. Yeah. Um, and before uh, I want to ask you about your further education in Melbourne, I just want to give a quick shout out to the sponsor for this podcast. It's Manscaped. So we've talked about them many times on this show. Uh, if you guys feel the need to uh, get your male grooming on, go out there and get yourself a team house ball trimmer. Go to manscaped.com. Uh, you can use the promo code. What, it's Team 20? Team 20. For 20% off and free shipping. 20% off and free shipping. So go there. Check it out on the website. They got – it's not just the ball trimmer anymore. Now there's there's a cologne. There's a body wash. There's a shampoo. There is a nose and ear trimmer. There's I, ball tonic, ball deodorant. You guys, this is a nice product. Like – Jack and I both use it. All of your male grooming yeah. needs are taken care of yeah. and satisfied. Get yeah. your dick right for the holidays, guys. No <laughs> self-inflicted injuries with the Manscaped lawnmower. A little uh, guard on there. Nice little LED to light up the area. I mean, as an artist, good light is important, isn't it? I definitely could use some light on my bowls. <laughs> yeah. I mean, couldn't we all, though? Couldn't we all? So, manscaped.com. Promo code is TEAM20 for 20% off and free shipping. So, Mark, uh, your next step after you finished your military service was two years, right? Yeah. And then you went two years, to two Melbourne for a, a graduate-level program? Oh, so after I finished Army, actually, I went to join uh, Imagine Studios. Okay. So, like I mentioned Dave earlier, yeah. uh, our German gang. So yeah. I think it was about a year plus working there. Uh, my parents still had some like traditional uh, notions that they wanted me to get a degree paper, you know, because like my dad was, you know, I never had the chance to study overseas. I'm going to send you overseas. So why didn't you take the chance to get a good education, you know, get a degree? So I asked around and I think the, the nearest was Australia because Singapore had no degree programs back in the day back in 2008, right? So I went to Melbourne, got my degree, uh, then came back. I continued working for Imaginary Friends for another few years, and then uh, left, joined a different company. So why don't, uh, at this point, you want to throw some of your art up on the screen and we start taking a look and talking about, you know, how you go about sure. your process of creation? Um, okay, I don't have a... Work in progress. Okay, let me try and figure out the sheets. share screen. Uh... Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Does it work? Yeah. Wait, is it a white screen? White, yeah. white canvas again? Okay, so um, I don't have the digital work in progress, but I have other work in progress uh, images, unfortunately. So, like, I mean, you know, you you would know this very well back in the day, right? The target deck cover. Ah, um, yeah, that was a piece that, um, that was a piece that you did on your own, actually, and I liked it so much that I, <laughs> I, I was like, Mark, Mark, you already you're already doing what I love. 
I just want to buy this from you so that I can use it as my book cover. And I love it. Being a parent can be really challenging. It's normal to feel uncertain about whether you're doing the right things to raise healthy and happy children. That's why Child and Family Resource Network focuses on connecting pregnant parents and those with kids under the age of five with free support services to help them build confidence in their parenting journey. Everyone deserves to have someone they can turn to for support with parenting. Visit childandfamilyresourcenetwork.org today. Yeah, I mean, this was actually really fun to do because I actually had never done a portrait back then, you know, so this allowed me to like put a lot of detail into like, you know, the, the little straps, the first spear buckles and the knife and patch, which we still haven't made, but you know. I, I mean, it's um, it's uh, really like photorealistic. You did such I mean, an amazing was, job the, on it. That was the goal, but yeah, I, I do think looking back now, there's a lot of things that oh, I wish I'd done it differently, you know. There are things that grind on you that you, you pick out. And you're like, oh, I wish I'd done this yeah, different. Yeah, definitely. Different. Yeah, definitely, man. Like, how, how did you guys meet, Jack? How did you come across this art and and choose it for your book? I uh, when I first wrote uh, a novel, I guess it was 2010. I started, and then in the 2011, probably published it. And I was just like searching around the internet for artists who do military themed work, and I very quickly found Mark. Uh, and I mean, that, that was for me, it was like a dream come true. I mean, I, I just loved working with you and I thought that your artwork was amazing and it, and it fit exactly what I was looking for. Um, because I was wanting to write military fiction that was, although it's a very over the top action adventure sort of plot, I wanted it to be realistic and have a realistic feel to it. And that's really Mark, Mark's art is like, he understands how all of the gear works. All the guns are very accurate um, on top of his actual, you know, you can see his artistic talent just on the cover here and how he's able to use light and color and everything else. I mean, it fit perfectly for what I was looking for. And uh, I, I'm a big Mark Lee fan, uh, if you haven't noticed. I, and if Thanks, you guys are listening to this on the podcast, A, we apologize, but B, you're going to have to check out Mark's art. I, it really is. Check, check out the YouTube edition of this show yeah. um, so you can actually see because he's he's showing on screen right now. And also Mark's website, which is what? Um, I guess you could go to like barkwashere.com. I mean, I use I mainly upload on Instagram, but yeah. What's your Instagram That's handle fine. for people? That's a good question. Okay. <laughs> Sorry, I actually can't remember. Um what is my Instagram? Oh, coffee. Well, yeah, we'll put it. We'll put it in the description for you. Yeah. It's, uh, Mark, you are. Uh, yeah, we'll put it in the description for you. I think I found. Yeah, no worries, I think man. I found you on here. Uh, you are. Uh, no, I'm finding other Mark Lees. It's quite a, so. a few Mark Lees. Oh, you're coffee. N. Perspective on Instagram. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Why well, I want to change that up? <laughs> so I. Uh, yeah, I know it's pretty long. So, could you tell us a little bit about like your process, like a, a work like this? How do you go about creating it? Where does the inspiration come from? Do you start with like thumbnail sketches or wire sketches? Mm. I mean, how how do you go about I think, it? I think for most of my art, it's really like I mentioned earlier. It was um, it's really interest for me. So, like something really just bites. Uh, inspiration hits right and then it actually helps make the process a lot easier so i don't have a digital art 
work in progress here. I do have another piece if I can find it. Does this show up? So like um, a couple of years ago, you know, I mean, John Wick, I think everybody knows John Wick. So I actually was, I really love the uh, movie. And I, you know, just decided I want to do something about it. So for most of my pieces, they're the same. You know, I, I would either uh, start with like reference or I just start sketching. So like this one, I was, I just really wanted to do a, a iconic John Wick, uh, you know, uh, a fan art kind of thing. So I just ended up, okay, this one, you know, is pretty much Stanley's holding in that uh, particular style of grip that he does. Yeah. And then I just ended up, you know, doing a very rough trace over a sketch, you know, and try and give it a little bit of like that flow. So this is like purely digital, right, at this stage. So I would do the sketch and then, uh, you know, maybe I refine it a bit, add some details. The only tricky thing with having something like this is that uh, it's a actor's face or a particular person's face. So if it doesn't look like him, that's big. That's a big boo boo, right? So for this, um, I was kind of happy at this stage. I thought, you know what, throw some colors on, right? So this one was done in traditional wow. with uh, digital touch up. So it's mainly watercolor and ink. Um, the tricky thing, like I guess, it was to try and get his face to at least still mm, look like wow. piano. But then again, that kind of hairy, <laughs> uh, long hair and the and the uh, you know. The facial hair, I think, pretty much always looks like piano nowadays. So that's usually my process for something like this. Uh, digital is a bit, bit of more of the same. It's just like painting and adding on, adding on, adding so, on. So, so this is not when you say watercolor, you mean literal watercolors? You 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 did yeah. this on paper with watercolor yeah. paints. So watercolor, then I'll scan it, in, mm-hmm. and then I mean, some people say scanning is really. Uh, not as good as like taking a photo of a high-res camera these days, but I don't have a high-res camera, so I usually just scan it in, and then I'll just get Photoshop to do like uh, color tweaks if there are any smudges that I want to clean up, uh, or add in certain strokes. You know, like like these strokes here, these are all digital digitally added in. Oh wow! Right? Yes. Uh, to try and give it a certain feel, because I, I can't replicate this. Like to do this traditionally is going to be too cons- time-consuming. You know, so things like the red circle, uh, also an afterthought that I added in, like, you know, uh, John Wick in the red circle kind of thing. So then, um, yeah, it's, at this point, it's it's pretty much done. And whatever I choose to do, it's like sometimes I sell prints or I just, um, like, in this case, I felt that, you know what, it would be nice to have it as a patch, you know, like a morale patch. Uh-huh. So I went to do up a, you know, uh, like I've colorized and vectorized it. Oh, that is from amazing. The, um, from the traditional artwork. So to get producible as a graphic image. So once it's done, I don't know if you can see, but yeah, so it looks like this. Oh man, that's yeah. awesome. So, I mean, it's nice to have something to hold, I guess, you know, every day. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah, this this is like, for me, this has to be something which I need to find an inspiration for my artwork. And Mark, I mean, maybe we, we are going to get hammered with questions. Where can people go and buy the buy either the patch or buy your artwork if they're interested? Buy printed um, artwork. This thing, I don't really have a web store because, like I said, this is something I do on the side. Mm-hmm. You know, like even doing art uh, for commission freelance basis, right? It's really dependent on time. So, um, for like for prints, usually most people they will contact me directly. Like, hey, I want to buy a print. You know, then uh, I'll sell it. I'll send it anywhere in the world. But uh, I don't have a shop. Even the patches, if I do make them, uh, there are some Facebook groups like uh, 
there used to be this one called Morel Patch Black Market. So people buy and sell patches there. I mean, I don't know if you guys are aware, there's actually a really big market of people wheeling and dealing patches. Yes. You know, so um, I know there's a certain demand for some of my patches, which I guess is kind of nice. It's also interesting to see like the secondhand market, which can be a bit, it's good and bad. Like people flip them for a certain price tag, which yeah. I think sometimes is a bit too much because at the end of the day, it is a piece of cloth. But I guess it's like, you know, you're buying a piece of art in a sense. So, I mean, it's interesting to observe, you know, for me as an artist. Now, is the reason you don't have a shop is because you're independently wealthy and don't care about money or you just don't really enjoy the business, I wish. the business aspect of it all? A little bit of that. I think the business aspect of it, I'm actually a bit lazy to really just get off my ass and, and like get a shop set up because the logistics, I will be doing everything by myself. Right. So uh, like when I sell patches, right, the few times I've done so, making the patch is already uh, a challenge. Getting it like shipped into Singapore is usually uh, what happens that I make the, the artwork, I send it to a guy in the States. He would help me contact a factory overseas and then he gets the patches brought into the States and then he sends it to me. You see? So then I have to sort out like things like, it's not just sending out a patch. I start to design the packaging, you know, how do I want to uh, pack it as well? Like packaging, I mean like the, the artwork that comes with the patch. I see a Team House Mark Lee um, collab, collaboration collab. in the future. I could see a collab. <laughs> yes. Yeah, that, it could there, be something like that. Sh- shipping to Singapore is super expensive, as I found out, because I, th- I think I shipped you copies yeah, of my book, Mark, uh, yeah, so, yeah. You, so you could have a copy. And uh, I, I think it was like $40. Yeah, it's not so, cheap, man. Yeah, it's, it's, no, it's no joke shipping to Singapore. Like if you're just shipping stateside, that's fine. But like once you go international, it's uh, a bit of a once it, ass, once, it, once it goes on an airplane, the prices go through the roof. It's crazy. Yeah, yeah, it is. But I mean, you know, it's um, like like you know, Dave, you mentioned uh, that I'm interested in. It's really just I'm lazy, I think, to be honest, because I have a full time job. So everything I do, it's really. And I only have so many hours in a day. Right, like yeah. if you work nine to five, you know, there's only so many hours you have left for dinner, to relax, uh, to if you want to play games. And then if you want to do any personal work, like I have tons of model kits actually waiting to be built, but no time. Right. You know, like there's projects I want to do, I want to patches I want to make, there's no time. Right. So it's really just about maybe poor time management on my part. But what yeah. is uh what is your day job, Mark? What 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 keeps you busy nine to five? Uh I'm a concept art lead so i am working in a small uh kind of like a mobile game studio right now so i i have a small team of like four to five guys under me which cool. we do concept art for a game and then you know, to push out and get it done production wise yeah very cool and so the things we're looking at now are really side projects for you yeah they're pretty much all side projects like you know even your books for me is something i have to be really interested in to want to do it I know it sounds a bit snobbish, but it's no, really like no. at this stage in life, you know, uh, yeah. if something's not interesting to you, it's either A, it's got to pay you really well to make you want to do it, or B, it's something that I feel that I'm interested to do. Right. Yeah. And I'll as, spend time on it. You know? As an artist, it must be such a drag to have to work on a creative. It's like you're forcing yourself to be creative at that point to do something you're not yeah. really interested in. Yeah, definitely. You know, um, there are always the odd project where I will take on because, you know, the client's 
been pretty good to me. And it's like, okay, you know, you want me to do uh, another book cover? Uh, yeah, sure. You know, like um, some of the clients, like you say, from the UK, right? Uh, the book covers are pretty fun, but once in a while you get like certain uh, thematic covers, like uh, it's not really that interesting, but you know, the previous covers, uh, you guys pay well. You know, I had a really good time talking with the uh, art director and all that. So yeah, why not? You know, I know you guys need the help. I'll step in to help. But other times it's like, um, I don't know if I have the time to commit to another uh, art project. So usually I may not, I may decline uh, a new client or something like that. No. So what, one what thing are I we... do like are commissions, actually. Sorry? You do, you do like art commissions? Uh, okay, so most of the commissions I take are actually military vets. These usually interest me because, I mean, you know, I like the military stuff. And there's a bit more of a personal connection, I think. Uh -huh. So for me, uh, military commissions have always been pretty fun because they do tend to be, ah, you know, like, uh, let's just say, uh, like, say, Jack, you want a commi uh, commission of yourself, you know, back from time in uh, Afghanistan or something. That's where I would like, okay, you know, what are we looking at here? Do we want a certain pose? Uh, what kind of kit are you wearing? So to me, these are little things which are interesting and it's very personal. You know, because I think everybody kind of has a certain personalized kit, you know, the, the way they, they want to remember their time there. To me, that's kind of nice, you know, for for someone who has obviously not served in that capacity. But it's nice to see when people have, you know, I mean, it's a story to tell, right? Like you've been through all this, and here's something to memorize it by, I guess. That's yeah, very cool. Uh, what are we looking on on the left now? The new one you brought up. Oh, uh, this is the other. I would almost call it like a fan art of one of Jack's decad uh, <laughs> the samurai. Uh, character so this was also one of those things like you know I just felt like doing it for the fun of it like uh, there was a point where Jack was talking about all this new optical camo uh, material that um, who was it hyperstealth there's uh, oh yeah hyperstealth has worked on some of these different fabrics right. um, yeah some some of which we've seen and some of which uh, they still won't show me but mm -hmm. uh, there's a character in my novels Nikita who is a uh, he's from Kazakhstan and he's like the team sniper who wears the sort of like optical camouflage in the books. Yeah, so that was the inspiration. I was thinking, you know, it'd be nice to visually represent that cloaked, uh, you know, high tech kind of look, right? I mean, I think at this stage, again, it's one of those like looking back, oh, I wish I did something differently. But back then it was really like, ah, oh, this would be a nice idea to illustrate, you know, to have like that invisible cloak thing. And back then when the, the panels were like all the rage after that movie, mm -hmm. you know, uh, Zero Dark Thirty and all that. So I just thought, you know, pretty fun to just draw something like this. And that's the only reason there's this fan that exists because I felt like it would be a nice right. way to that's visualize the character. It's cool. Yeah, no, I love it. I, I, yeah, I, I do see this pop up on those weird Instagram accounts though. Like, you know, the ones with the weird soldiers, soldier motos and all that. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah Instagram yes, is a strange of... place. Yeah, though, a lot yeah of those, it is. A lot of those accounts have built followings of hundreds of thousands just by... Yeah, I don't understand taking, how they work. ...taking other people's photos or whatever. And they're, like, they're like weird fanboy accounts. They're honoring, I guess, honoring, yeah. you know, the, the military, but... Uh, they don't really produce any content other than just taking other people's stuff. Yeah, I'm I'm not really sure how they work. They're like bot accounts or something. So 
strange place. Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, you know, the art piece was pretty fun to do, I guess. Um, you know, I do have a few more if you want to yeah. see. Yes, so that yeah, absolutely. These, yeah. Um, like this one was fun, you know. It's kind of like uh, I did an older piece, like a Boba Fett. Again, it's one of those, you know, inspiration way strikes you. So it's like, okay, I do a Boba Fett thing. Boba Fett's always cool to look at, although yeah. only now does he have a, like, a bit of a story. You're right. So, um, I mean, I love the design of the, the vector. So I thought, you know what, kind of sci-fi looking gun, uh, sci-fi character. But I wanted to try a different art style. So you have this kind of almost like a angular fractal kind of uh, brush strokes throughout. That's so amazing. You know? <laughs> Thanks, man. So I just thought, you know what, red, white, black, a color palette, just to, for me, I like to try things. That's why you, you actually see me doing a lot of very weird, like, uh, variation in art styles as well. Um, yeah, so this one also, I got it done up as a patch, actually. So this one, I know this is uh, quite well received, this patch. But yeah, this this one's a fun piece. I One of my favorite pieces, actually. Yeah, it's really cool. Uh, they, uh, the John Rick, the one that you just oh, yeah. went by, that I this laughed one. when I saw it. That's so brilliant. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think I saw the name John Rick on one of those. Uh, there's a Rick and Morty mobile game, uh-huh. and they had this spoof character called John Rick. And I'm like, holy shit, that's a great idea to illustrate. So, you know, um, portal gun, of course, you have to have the pencil. Right. The crazy pencil. I can't remember what's it called. It's a character in, in the Rick and Morty series. And who can forget Snowball, right? So That's so good. Yeah, but it's it's all one of those things like I'm trying a different rendering style. So like if you look at the the style of the rendering compared to like say the, the earlier one, it's it's different as well. Very different. You know? um, yeah. Well, it sh- it shows off your range, Mark, because I mean, you wouldn't necessarily know that it was the same artist. That yeah, did they're those very two different, different styles. Yeah. Yeah, I had I had weird comments like earlier in the day. I mean, back back in a few years ago, you know, over time, people like because you have especially DeviantArt, like people say, "Oh, uh, are you stealing this art because it's so different one from the other?" You know, and it's very hard to justify to people. Oh, I just doing different things because I find it interesting to try different stuff. Yeah. Well, I expect you to keep on doing the same thing, you know, like, um, I think most, like you say, most people probably might think of me with the military stuff. So like, oh, you actually do these weird uh, fan art and stuff. Like I do covers for uh, Warhammer 40k Black Library. So oh, those really? are pretty fun, like yeah, Space Marine stuff. I uh, need to dig it up if you want to see it, though. Yeah, some Warhammer 40k, absolutely. Uh, let me see if I can find... 40k full screen him yeah i think he is oh, he is okay sorry i'm trying to find the 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 uh folder because it's 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 uh, been a while uh thank you but now we can't see mark oh, that's fine you don't need to see me let me see if i can it's like this one Oh, wow. uh, I think this is one of the recent ones done. So this is for Black Library and one of the covers recently. So this was fun. I mean, trying a slightly cooler palette. Yeah, nice and I whatever. haven't seen this, Mark. This is awesome, man. Yeah, thanks, man. Again, this it's a pretty it's, fun. It's, again, it's a very different style. I I wouldn't like immediately pick up that that's a Mark Lee piece. 
I was just trying something else again. It's like, you know, sometimes you keep doing the same thing. It really gets boring. Yeah, I can so see that. To me, it's like, got to try stuff. But that doesn't mean everything is going to come out nice, though. <laughs> That's the only thing. Now, so, yeah, you, this one. Do you different. generally, if you do do a book cover, do you generally read the book first so that you have an idea? Or do you just get a sense from the author? Uh. Usually, be, uh, okay, for example, like this, I only got a sense from the author because most of the 40K stuff, they're not going to send you the manuscript. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so they would just tell you, okay, you know, I want the, like in this case, I want a space wolf. Uh, just the hero is going to be standing on, you know, showing off in a heroic pose or something. And then there's the vortex or something behind. And that's it. Uh, that's the rough guide they give you. And it's up to you to fill in the blanks. Mm-hmm. So um, this is where I think the, the experience of working with with uh, the so-called art lead that's managing the or the art commissioning lead that's managing the artist mm-hmm. comes in. Um, like I think it's a fine balance between how much creative leeway to give to the artist in this case me, mm-hmm. or how much they control what they want to see. Because some of them they can be quite specific on like okay you know he has to have certain colors or he has to have a certain proportion or design. Sometimes there's no. Um, there's no specifics, and you can come out with anything you want. And I think mm-hmm. those both of them have their merits as well. I so, like for Jack's covers. I mean, we, if we had no uh, specific look for Deckard, you know what I mean? I, I recall, you know, when, when you did the cover for Grey Matter Spider, we had some pretty extensive conversations about the type of gear that soldiers would yeah. use in the Arctic. So, like on the cover, <laughs> like the the uh, ice uh, axes, the skis, the ski poles, the helmet i mean down to like the type of goggles like it's all very specific for arctic warfare um the the kalashnikovs they were using but uh, i mean where i think that did you come up with the downhill skiing concept i think that was really your idea more than mine mark i think probably you suggested some of it as well because to me it's like just trying to find something cool to illustrate right you know you want it to be Mm eye-catching uh but yeah like i wouldn't know you know, like what kind of gear, like until you mentioned that uh, powered optics don't work well, they don't, you know, they're not best suited for cold climates. I wouldn't have thought of it that way. Because, you know, all, all I would know is like, oh, modern warfare or like battlefield. Like, oh, you know, everywhere, everybody has a powered optic red dot sight and all that. So it must, I guess it works everywhere. You wouldn't think of it, but someone who has operated or at least have trained in that kind of environment, you would know certain things that, uh, okay, you know, this doesn't work or what would you wear? what works better you know yeah I, I that's I, where authenticity comes in I, I was fortunate enough to interview um soldiers who worked and trained in the arctic including one american soldier who uh did cross training with the canadian rangers and who's able to impart a lot of uh, a lot of knowledge on me um that made it into the book and onto the book cover ultimately and so that's where that's where that came from um, and you know, Mark, you you took it away, man. I love I love what you did with the cover, and and you really captured that sense of movement. As you have, uh, if you guys watch the YouTube video or even just check out the book cover, oh, I don't think anybody can see this right now on uh, on yeah, Amazon. Sure. Put it on this one. The what? Oh, show it on the. Uh, like oh, right here. A little bit back though, because it's dark. Back more towards the. All right. Well, people can go check it out on on uh, on Amazon or whatever if they want to to get a better view of it. But um, yeah, Mark Mark killed it, man. Um, it's just been. I really do wish cool. you guys would consult more with the video game industry, though. Like, 
holy shit, some of the new stuff is ridiculous. Well, you know, I think we were talking about this last night, actually. The movie industry has the same thing. I think it's it's not a matter of, like, people not wanting to consult with them. It's just that they they don't do it, is and it they like, miss simple stuff. Yeah. Is it, like, some executive that thinks they know better or something? I don't know. Yeah, I think that's a sad thing about the video game industry today. I mean, I'm sorry if I'm digressing. No, I'm just rambling on. But, like, um, have you guys actually caught up with games recently? Like, no. the fiasco of the new Battlefield game? What What's the fiasco? Oh, so all right. So like Battlefield twenty forty two, right? Um, have, have any of you guys played Battlefield? Mm, like the no. old Battlefield games? Not really. No. Oh, yeah. Okay, old, so, like the first, like one of the first ones. Yeah. Like yeah, Battlefield. It's always been considered like a more of a traditional, you know, it's like a tactical semi. I guess you call it realistic shooter. It's not Ghost Recon. It's not Rainbow Six. You know what I mean? But it's it's supposed to be like warfare on a semi realistic scale. But like the new one is oh my god, it's like red, yellow camouflage clothing and, and weird looking characters. Like I don't know, it's it's kinda of weird that uh, some of the devs today they place so much emphasis on like uh, I think marketing and you know, trying to get that uh certain kind of crowd, the younger crowd to come in. They mm-hmm. forego all the uh I guess realism and, and authenticity. Right. Well, I you know, think like, a lot okay, of the... I, yeah, sorry. I'm sorry, go ahead. Oh, no, no, I, I was just going to ramble on, but um, I guess the best example I can think of is Rainbow Six, when it was still Tom Clancy's Rainbow Six right. back in 98 uh, to Raven Shield or something. And today, the Rainbow Six is entirely different. You know, I, I mean, I don't know if you guys grew up playing that, but for me, yeah. that was also one of the things which got me into this whole uh, Special Forces thing. Yeah, no, I, I definitely grew up playing the uh, PC games uh, of Rainbow Six. Mm-hmm. And then what's the other one? They uh, It's it's another like Tom Clancy branded book where you're in yeah. New York City. Or, Ghost or, Recon. Or, uh, oh, Ghost Recon, the but the, the, one, the Division, that's the one I'm thinking of. The Division. I played The Division when it first came I, out. I did not like it at all. <laughs> yeah, I played it in its beta. Well, what do you, what do you not like about it? I... I just felt that it was sort of like an empty open world. There wasn't really anything to do really by comparison to like say Fallout or Skyrim or a game like that. It was just kind of like go go here and then empty like magazine after magazine through an RPK into somebody's head until they die. It's like why am I firing like three magazines of ammunition into this guy's head before into they the die? head, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I know. That that was a big gripe for a lot of people as well. You know. I think one thing they did well was like the like if you've seen the Division Two, I I love the Division Two because of the not the characters but the world building. Like I've not been to New York, you know, um, is it New York? I think it's set in New York. Uh, yeah. But the world was fantastically done. Like the level design of like uh, you could walk down a city street and it's like debris, there's trash, there's overgrown weeds, and it felt lived in. You know, like it felt like oh, this looks like what New York might be if nobody cleaned up the streets for like months on end. You know, uh, so I now, love that part of the yeah. That's so now that's Modern like day, a year, like a year into the pandemic. That's <laughs> yeah. what Brooklyn looked like. Oh man, but yeah, I think games have. I don't know if they've gotten better or worse these days. You know, so yeah, any more guys like you to consult seriously? You know, if only they would like listen to people. Hey, the, the Dave, the Dave and Jack line is open. You know, uh, <laughs> some some like big wigs out in Hollywood or the game industry want to contact the team house. Uh, we're, we're here. We're here. I, I think a large part of it is 
is the microtransactions that video games are using now. They found out how profitable that is. And there are only so many different styles of act, like realistic camouflage that you can use. Yeah, that's true. that's true. So what are you going to sell, you know, 13-year-olds with their mom's credit card once they bought the yeah. woodland, the desert, the tiger stripes? You know, now now we need something else to sell them. And so I think a lot of that comes down to the whole business model. I, I, I'm such a, yeah, I'm, I, I'm like a boomer video game player. You know, my Xbox is covered in dust. And when I want to play once in a while, I, I've dusted off, put the disc in, spin it up. And then Xbox needs to do like a three hour update. And I just turn it off. I'm like, now I, I got stuff to do. <laughs> you guys should, uh, oh. Try I keep telling Jack try Thunder Tier One. It's a pretty fun game. Yeah. It's a top-down shooter. The 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 um the trailer you sent me looked really interesting. It, it reminded you know what game that reminded me of that I played back when I was a kid. Do you remember Commandos or Commando? Oh, yeah, yeah, I love Commandos. Yeah, those are great. Whereas like six great. six or seven players, it was like two D top-down looking, and each yeah, command, yeah, yeah. each Commando had their own specific skill set. So there's like the sniper, the diver, the spy. And you had it's to utilize dude, right? them to get around the map and complete the mission. That yeah. was cool. So, yeah, uh, those are good games. Yeah, so we're totally nerding out right now, and with this isn't <laughs> like no, 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 no. I'm I'm talking to our audience right now that this is our Christmas gift to us. Yeah, is our um, Christmas special. Yeah, is you know, uh, like this is just such a thrill for for Jack and I, and we hope that some of you are enjoying like this too, and definitely, definitely. Check out uh, Mark's art. Uh, what? Uh, let's let's spin up some more. Yeah, Mark, yeah. Let's see uh, some, Mark Lee some, art. Let's see what you got. Because some of the superhero uh, stuff that I saw, I told you that the one Shazam uh, looked really reminded me oh. of uh, Art Ro- uh, Alex Ross's. Yeah, um, Alex Ross. Yeah, yeah. That reminds um, me. Yeah, so this much is actually inspired by Alex Ross. You know, this is actually a pretty old piece. Just doing some touch ups. I think like a few years ago, just to try and spruce it up a bit. But I really love the way, uh, like the Alex Ross look of uh, the Shazam character in Kingdom Come. Like to me, that's like the definitive uh, Shazam look. And also because like the movie came out recently, yeah, you know, the newer one. So it's like, oh, re- rekindled that love in this character again. I think there was like this old cartoon as a kid. I don't know if you watched it. Yeah. Uh, there was a Shazam cartoon, and I remember vaguely liking it a lot as a kid. You know, big red cheese. So yeah, pretty cool character. Yeah, again, great, uh, great sense of movement in that picture. Yeah, I, I, I have some of, uh, some of his prints, like his collectible prints. Um, I bought Scars, uh, the Batman. I don't know if you've ever seen it, but it's Batman when he's Wait, older, or Bruce Wayne. You bought, Ale- you bought Alex Ross's artwork? Not, not, uh, man, not his original <laughs> art. We, we need. We need about 200,000 subscribers before I can do that. But I buy like the <laughs> limited edition. Subscribe below. I, I get the limited edition print set at each time at Comic-Con. Hit that like button, guys. Stuff is expensive, man. Yeah. Yeah. It's, Even the prints like are, are, are pricey. Yeah. But his yeah. original art is really like, pricey. Yeah. I, th- I think he's like one of the, the most expensive artists I can think of, actually, once you go to the cons. Not cheap. <laughs> yeah, the cons aren't cheap. It's just you're getting it before it hits the resale market, which makes a, mm. a substantial difference. That's true. That's true. I've yeah. yet to actually visit one of the cons. Uh, we were planning, like some of the guys were thinking of going, this was like, I think 2019, and then, well, the pandemic hit. Like, uh, you know what? Forget it. It's not going to happen. 
Mark 2022, Maybe. you're you're coming out. I'm getting your ticket. Uh, you're <laughs> yeah. coming to the con with us. We, we'd love to have you. Yeah. Yeah, that'd be that'd be cool. Someday, I'd definitely like to visit you guys. You know. Um, yeah, but I guess uh, not a lot of stuff I have right That's, now. Uh, but, Deathstroke. Uh, Deathstroke. Deathstroke. This, this was a commission request by uh, Instagram follower, so he's like, hey, you know. Again, I don't really do commissions for like fan art because to me it's like it's a bit. It's a great area, I think. To me, like I don't really want to do fan art of like uh, popular characters, but sometimes like you know certain characters, I think you know design is pretty cool. Yeah, why not in this time? So this one was, uh, yeah, this dude here. That was pretty cool to try and give him a bit more realistic, like uh, you know, bell, uh, gun bell, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. the straps and the uh, you know scab and all is a bit more realistic. Um. Yeah, I don't know. For me, I think like Jack says, it's probably rubbed off for me after a while. The whole trying to get that sense of realism and authenticity to the gear. Sometimes it's too much, but sometimes I guess it kind of works out. So um, I try to add that little aspect to some of my my illustrations as well. So uh, this one's a... all sorry. No, yeah, yeah go ahead. Sorry, I, I was just gonna say you've obviously done a Punisher or two, right? No, <laughs> I haven't <laughs> done a Punisher. Nobody's asked for a Punisher. No. <laughs> Um, yeah, that is uh Red Hood, yeah. so oh, this cool. one's uh, Can you blow that up Instagram. a little bit? Wow, yeah, this was fun to do actually because I had never drawn this character before. So this time around, I thought, you know what, it'd be nice to give him some realistic weapons. Um, uh, what was this? I think that's like the Silencer Coal pistol or something, I can't remember what it's called. And then some slightly more realistic looking, mm -hmm. you know, bits of gear and all that. And he's wearing like cry precision pants. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Just to add that, you know, military tactical yeah, yeah. angle. Um, like and this, this is again. That, oh, that, sorry, sorry. That was done with um, watercolors. Yeah, uh, pretty much all of these I tend to work with watercolor. Mm-hmm. So I would touch up with, like, for this one, I touched up a little bit of, like, uh, color pencils, a bit of markers here and there, like Copic markers. Uh, but usually I use this trusty brown pen to ink all the lines that you see. Okay. The backgrounds are watercolor, you know. Yeah. Then, um, like, this one was a fun one. It was like a drink and draw night with some of my colleagues and friends. So we're just drawing random uh, comic blanks and like, you know, hey, Star Wars, Mandalorian is pretty popular. Mandalorian is cool. So just, you know, do this one as well. That's amazing. That's incredible. Thanks, man. I, I wouldn't know mm -hmm. that wasn't an actual, actual cover. cover. Yeah. Like, of, of a, I would, had I seen that, I'd, I'd be like searching eBay to, to buy that issue. <laughs> I mean, there's really a lot of good... Uh, like, this is a market in itself right now, I think. Like, I know a lot of friends who do fantastic covers, and they do, like, these originals. Some of them you would think, like... A, I mean, this is not, for example, like this, right? This is just, like, a little pistol that overlaps the, the logo, for example, right? Like, some of them really change out the entire logo, and, and the thing looks seamless. You would think it's printed, but it's all hand-painted, you know? Um, That's amazing. Yeah, so, I mean, this one was pretty fun. That's amazing. Yeah. Sorry, yeah. Sorry, you're gonna say something. Dave? Oh no, 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 no! I, I was just heaping on praise. <laughs> <laughs> All right, thanks. 
Uh, I think we only have one more blank cover that I did for the fun of it. So, like, Doom was a pretty fun game. So the I think this was actually Dead. the Walking Dead cover, but like you know, just for the fun of it, I thought, hey, let's let's change it up to uh, Doom Doom Slayer and just like you know, smashing some zombies. Um, I was trying for that Joff Darrow kind of line work detail, you know. But yeah, this is another one of those things. Like I'm just trying something out, you know, instead of like full color. I think traditional is a bit tricky. Like if you if you fuck it up, it all goes wrong. So when you're trying something new. It's a bit of a edge of your seat kind of a thing. Now, are these are these the uh, are these comics with the uh, white covers? Yeah, yeah, these are the blank covers. Yeah. So they yeah. only have like the title on it. Yeah. And it's up to you to draw anything you want. Yeah. I'm just looking through your Instagram right now, Mark, and again, just seeing uh, you know you're you're going from from science fiction to pictures of Pat McNamara. To Night Stalkers, uh, to like sci-fi tanks like Mecha, and then Samurai. I, I mean, it's just incredible the 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 range of different things that you work yeah, on. I mean, th- these just are stuff to keep me interested, man. Yeah, these like beautiful samurai women that you're drawing on here. I'm trying to get a theme going, you know, it's like the Inktober thing. Mm-hmm. So it's oh, yeah. like Samurai September. I'm just like, okay, you know what? I'm just gonna try because it's not easy to like draw a drawing a day. So, uh, like. I just tried, okay, you know what? Every day, one summer drawing. So, summer is September. Um, basically, these are all reference from like actual photos I could find of like older samurai. Some of them are like, I think a few of them are like uh, Mifune, the actor. Uh huh. But most of them are like old samurai photos or like actual uh, reenactors and all that. I'm looking at the uh, the weathering on your tank model right now. Tank model? You mean the scale model? It, it's it is some sort of a scale model. Uh, I'm sorry, some, I can't show this to your viewers. It's a Tamiya uh, Sherman. Oh, you mean the details on that one? Yeah, yeah. Um, it's not done yet, though. It's still, it's yeah, still yeah. in its uh, unfinished state. Here, I'm going to show you something. We can uh, nerd out together. <laughs> I just finished. I just finished doing this guy. Oh shit, that's cool, man. Which is a uh, like a clockwork dragon. Is this a Dungeons and Dragons line or something? Oh yeah. So yeah, we can. I think you, sh- you should you should post more of this stuff too, man. It's like I think you can start to have some like reviews on like kits and all that. I you um. I I, sometimes cool. I post pictures of this stuff on Twitter just to change shit up because. The things I, I normally write about and cover are so depressing that I, I try to change it up and and you know just mess around with models sometimes. Yeah, we try. I to think sell. that's that's a cool part. I think people like to see. You know, I would like to see this angle. Like when I found out, hey, you know, you you play Dungeons and Dragons and you started painting your own miniatures. I thought that was pretty cool. It, it was know? incredible the progress too. I mean, <laughs> like, because <laughs> I because he just bought some miniatures and. I was like, okay, well, I guess I'll paint them. So he started painting them. And the next thing I know, he has this entire wall full of like Armies paints of- and spray guns. And, sh- and I'm like, and, and he was watching videos. He's creating landscapes. It's, it was incredible. It was an incredible process to watch. Yeah, but it's, like, it's a great hobby to have. You know, it's, yeah. not, it's not as expensive as booze and cars. So I can't complain. That's true. Yeah. Well, I mean, it can get expensive. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I guess so. I guess yeah. 
It's it's the gateway drug, you know. The next thing you know, you have like a couple airbrushes and like two hundred and fifty acrylic paints, and it's like, what's wrong with me? What, what about oh, I don't not- think. I think that's just a start, man. My wife just bought me an airbrush, so like, yes, I can finally start painting the tanks uh, now. That's awesome. How how many uh, how many? Um, so you do like scale uh, military miniature models, tanks, airplanes, things like that. Yeah, yeah, I do. Um, Oh, man, I would get them for you, but I would have to leave the camera. Is that okay? Yeah, of course. Yeah, sure. You can disappear right, for a moment. A we we have wares to sell. So, folks, hey, uh, yeah. thank you for joining us tonight and and checking out the show. And I hope you're enjoying this sort of Christmas special that's a little bit more offbeat, talking about uh, Mark Lee's artwork and just nerding out over this stuff for a little bit. <laughs> and... <laughs> Please remember to subscribe to the channel if you haven't already and hit the bell icon and select uh, all notifications so you get notified whenever we go live. Uh, There's also a link down in the description for our Patreon page if you want to support the stream. And there's also uh, links to get merch and check us out on Instagram as well. Uh, We were also going to announce the winners of the Instagram giveaway, but we actually haven't tallied those votes yet. So uh, if you haven't done it, get your, you know, uh, follow the rules on the post for that. Get that in and then we will tally it all up uh, by by the by the next show, I imagine. Hey, Jack, why don't you tell them what we give give them for Patreon? On Patreon, you get access to bonus segments we do with many of our guests. And also we do two bonus episodes a month. And we're trying to do one episode where we, uh, of the two bonus episodes, we're trying to do one where we have like a guest on to talk about something that's sort of specialized. Uh, and then like the last one, we had a Kurdish analyst on talking about Iran and then trying to do another, the other second episode uh, where it's kind of Dave and D and, and I just kind of BSing, talking about what's on our minds at the moment. Um, so yeah, jump onto uh, Patreon. Tea, we spill tea. Isn't that what it, the kids Spilling are the tea. Spilling the tea. All right, Mark. Um, sorry. Well, I don't think it's going to show up very well, but yeah, uh, I make these as well. What, uh, what I do is, uh, for a second, take your screen share off so we have your full yeah. screen again. Oh, okay. Uh, okay, there, there yeah. we go. All right, so let's like see. This one was cool. done a while ago. Very cool. I don't even know it's going to show up. Yeah, it's you know, Recon Marine from the old days. Yeah, I don't think that's going to show very well. So, I mean, these are the kind of things I like to do once in a while as well, if time permits. Mm-hmm. You know, so like like yourself, I think like the whole learning process of like how to paint the paint the the miniatures because like now you're not dealing with a flat canvas; you're dealing with a three dimensional lighting. Uh-huh. That's a bit tricky in itself. So you got to readapt the the whole painting process in some sense. You know. Um, yeah. By the way, if you want to check out. This guy called, uh, I feel like I'm plugging people, Kelvin Tan. So this guy is a Singaporean uh, painter. He paints like 135 scale uh, infantry, mm-hmm. mainly World War II Germans. He does them fantastically well. And it's like, he's pretty well known in the model world, actually. And what's yeah, his name again? Check him out if you want. Uh, Kelvin Tan. C-A-L-V-I-N-T-A-N. Okay. He's I'll take well a look. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So, so you so, mentioned... But for, I'm sorry, you mentioned like your patches on the resale market and maybe some of your art. And I know for like variant covers for different things, there's a huge Hmm. aftermarket. Like, you know, you buy a variant cover for 200 bucks and there's a lot of speculation also, but you buy a variant Hmm. cover for like 200 bucks and then 
within six weeks or eight weeks, it might be worth 1200 sometimes. Um, what is what is the most expensive piece of your work, whatever it was, that, that you saw on, on, on like, from a reseller or second? Huh, I haven't really sold my art per se, you know. Oh, sorry, I just reshared. It's, a, it's okay. You can leave but, that up if you want. Um, yeah. So, um, I don't really sell my art, and I, I don't know what the like the commission stuff. Once it disappears out of my hands, I actually haven't seen it appear anywhere. Yeah. But the patches, uh, like there was a samurai patch I did. There was a point where I think it got some ridiculous amount because I didn't sell those. I gave it out to friends. Yeah. And some of these guys, obviously, they're in the patch, uh, you know, the patch game, if you want to call it that. I think there was a point where it was like worth, uh, I think, thousand two USD or something ridiculous, something like that. You know, I- I'm gonna take, so, I'm gonna take the Mark Lee art that I bought and turn it into an <laughs> NFT, sell it for two hundred thousand dollars, <laughs> then launder it into Bitcoin, and we're all gonna be super rich. I love that idea. Yeah, I, I mean, if it works out for you. Please be my guest, man. You, you can know. come visit my island. It's okay, Mark. <laughs> yeah, sure, sure. I'll, I'll get my boat. I'll get my boat. Um, I'm sure I'll be able to row it there. So when you see like some of your patches going up in price, do you do you make a couple more to throw them on the uh, – sell them anonymously? No, nah, I think that would be a nice idea, to be honest. I mean, financially, who doesn't want a bit more money? But uh, I've actually never done that. Like um, – that samurai patch, I think, because I gave out a bunch, I I had like I still have a couple of handful left. I usually give this to like you know people who I think yeah pretty cool. Sure, here's a patch. Because to me, it's like I make it for the fun of it. Some people who want to collect it, you know, to them it's like I like it a lot, or I just want to sell it. So you get these flippers who, um, they're just there to make money. You know what I mean? Yeah. So like uh like this one, I made this a couple of years ago because like you know. Like I said, it was just for the fun of it. I thought it would be nice to have a Mandalorian-style patch. So I sold it for, I think, 45 or 60 bucks US dollars. Uh, there was a point where immediately, like uh, within the next few weeks, I saw one selling for like a couple hundred bucks. You know, and people pay for it. And that's it, something which I don't, uh, I can't say it's good or bad because it's the way the secondhand market works. Sure. You know, and it's, as an artist, it's nice to know that there's a demand for my art. Or for my product, if you want to put it that way. But it's also a bit strange to see like um, people flipping it to make money off somebody else. Right, right. You know, you know what I mean? I mean, it's the same with, with original art, like uh, say, um, I don't know, let's say art gem stuff, right? Yeah. You know, as, as a friend, uh, we, we, we talk, you know, like all of us as artists, you know, we, hey, you know, cool art. Hey, you want a drawing? You want a sketch? If, if you ask him for a sketch, he'll give you a sketch. You want a drawing? He'll give you a drawing. But if you were to take that drawing, like I know this for a fact, um, for example, in Singapore, when we had the conventions, right, there would be guys who would come to our booth, like when we were still under the IFS brand name, they would specifically look for his stuff so that they could resell it, uh, you know, at high prices, right? simply because they know that there's a demand mm-hmm. for it. As an artist, I'm sure it's gratifying to see that, you know, there's a high demand for the work. And that's where I think it's a bit difficult to really say whether it's a right or wrong thing because that's just the nature of it. If there's a demand for your work, the price is going to right, skyrocket. Right. We, we were talking a little bit before we started recording when Dave and I, uh, we went to a comic book convention in New York City with my daughter and she was dressed in costume as Batgirl and Art Germ saw her 
and said, hey, do you like Batgirl? And he, like, drew her a picture of Batgirl and signed it. And it hangs on her bedroom wall. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I I feel like selling something like that is that has like sin. That, that has, like, sentimental value. Yeah, it's you know? like, yeah. Yeah. But That's probably her college fund right there, man. Yeah, you but, so? but there are there are people out there, for better or worse, you know, who will go to Comic Cons, commission art, and then yeah, 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 and then list it the next day for three times what they paid for it. Yeah, definitely. So it's a uh, it's an interesting thing that happens, you know. I think in every industry as well. Uh, like uh, I I collect knives. Yeah, sorry. Mark, could you just hold yeah, up ahead. the patch again? I think. Uh, I'm zooming in, so I think oh, actually, just, oh, sorry. Take, take us off screen share. No, I got it and set up already. He's got it. Yeah. Hold just, second. just hold it up to the screen so folks can see it. That is amazing. Show you blur though. That looks great. Looks good. So yeah. you were saying you collect knives also? Yeah, I used to collect knives until I realized that the knives actually would have paid for my renovation of my home right now so i stopped collecting knives um like for example the same thing i know of like a couple of makers at least back in the day like um people would specifically buy their knives the maker himself doesn't get any commission obviously right but like you'll buy his knives for say a few hundred bucks because that's the price that he values his work at but the guy who resells it you're going to see it for like four digits yeah and like maybe two to four thousand dollars you know people buy and sell and the only reason that they're checking the price is because the, the maker couldn't push out as many knives as he wanted or could. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? The, the pace that it takes to make those pieces of work takes time. Mm-hmm. right? But people are willing to pay a premium for getting something faster, I guess, if you want to put it that way. Right. You know, you just... So, so I, as, as... Yeah. I was just going to say, you know, you hope, I hope, you know, that the, the artist actually gets paid and you, you want them to be paid for their work and... I, I think you know. I know this as a writer. It's hard to get paid for your work, and I and I, and I know it's yeah, the same for it's the same for artists as well. Um, so I mean, like I, I know you you've given me some good deals. I think um, considering the quality of your work um, when I bought the book covers, but you know I'm, I always want to make sure that the artists that we work with um, get paid. And even in the guy who uh, we bought the theme song to the show from, you know. Um, even though we only needed 30 seconds of music, we paid him for 60 seconds because I'd, I'd rather just build a good relationship with the artist um, going forward. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, and they, I understand it's, it's still business, you know. Yeah, everybody still needs to make money. So yeah. it, it's, I think especially in the creative industry, like uh, when you're writing or if you're doing uh, illustrations and all this, right? There's always going to be a little bit of that whole, oh, you enjoy it? So therefore, you should be able to do this for less. Right. You know what I mean? Like, right. it's not so much like, you know, if I call a plumber to fix my sink, it's a fixed price. Like, okay, you know, that pipe is going to cost me a couple hundred bucks or something. Right. If it's a piece of art, it's very subjective to what you can charge or what mm-hmm. you should charge even. Right. Right. There's know. not an hourly rate for it or, or whatever else. Yeah. I mean, there is. In, in, in the industry, there's a supposed hourly, hourly rate of sorts. But um, again, you know, how how do you justify how much you're worth? Like, um, okay, to give an example, um, what we charge in Singapore and what you would charge in the States, Sing dollars to US dollar. Again, you already have the dollar difference. But the quality of life, for example, just to take that to, into account, is like maybe in the States you might need, um, I don't know, say $2,000 a month at least 
to survive, right? Two thousand USD. You convert it to Sing dollars. You know, that's maybe like uh two two point six, which is which is not a lot, but it's enough to survive. Now you convert that into say uh, Indonesian ringgit, mm. is it ringgit rupiah? Sorry, that's a lot of money. So maybe one piece of work which costs two thousand dollars, uh, in the states or Singapore, I could do maybe half of that amount of work, right? Or the same amount of work, and it will last me a long time. So that price is a bit of a interesting thing. I think once everything has become international, mm-hmm. it's right? A bit tricky nowadays, right? Well, I don't. I know that, like in the mobile gaming industry and in the gaming industry, that's been a big point of contention. Where for loot boxes and things like that, where something might cost you know four bucks in the states, you know, for a little thing. You know, if you go to India, India or Nepal or, or someplace else where people are playing this game, it's still four dollars, which is mm-hmm. a lot, a ton of money for them. It's not a micro purchase anymore. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And so, they can't reduce I mean, debatable. That, and they can't reduce the price in the game for those regions because people will find ways to work around regional settings in their game or whatever in order to take advantage of those lower prices. Yeah, I mean. But there's nothing you can do about it. It's just the way the market works, you know. So, I mean, reselling stuff on the second market even, um, it's totally out of my control. I mean, it if it happens, it happens. I'm just going to observe. Because I think if, if you step in as, an, as a creator, right, for example, I have friends who have, like, suggested, hey, like what you mentioned, right, why don't you keep a few for yourself right. and then you sell it anonymously? I could do that. But then once people realize that you're doing that, right, there's a certain level of integrity I think people expect from an artist as well. Or even a, any sort of creator, right? Like, um, if you knew that I'm marking up my price for stuff which used to be there, I think there's a certain expectation of how you should handle it. I'm not sure I know how to handle it, but I, I don't, I don't I necessarily agree that. with that because as a creator, you don't know, you just really never really know what the market is going to grab. What's, you know, that's why variant covers buying comic, uh, comics like, virgin covers that are variants Mm. it's a game of speculation if you get into it because you might pay anywhere between 40 to to 600 dollars for 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 a variant cover when it comes from when you get it and 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 again i think that in my in my opinion my humble opinion if somebody's going to play the speculation game and really cash in i'd hope it's the artist yeah exactly and you don't know if that if that cover like some of art germs covers have like skyrocketed yeah uh, yeah yeah. and and some of them have actually decreased in value and so so as the artist he doesn't like he doesn't necessarily know either that every single one of his you know, you don't know that every one of your patches is going oh, yeah, to sure. going to sell gangbusters, right? So yeah. why isn't it fair for you to sell them at all, you know, when you do sell them, to sell them at whatever price you think is fair? And then if you see it go up, take advantage of those prices on, on the reseller's market. I mean, I guess it's fair to say as well. It's, it's just something I haven't really gone into. Sure. Like I said, to me, it's like, uh, I feel that if I'm going to sell at this price, it's, that's what it is, you know. And uh, whatever happens in the secondary market, that's on other people to figure out, okay, you want to buy at that price? Like, you can't get them from me anymore. You know, that's that's on you. It's it's your money, you know. Feel free to do whatever you want, right? Right. Mark, I, I wanna, yeah, I'd like you know. to ask you, uh, what would be your dream project that 
you would just absolutely love to do? Huh. That's tough. <laughs> I don't know. Um, as much as I enjoy doing the military-related uh, artwork, right, it's always... I think a dream project is something that you control yourself. And that's why I think, like for you to write books, for example, I don't know if, if you feel the same way, but to me, because they are written, they're edited by you, you're in full control. To me, those are what you would consider dream projects. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Like for me, um, I think dream projects are a bit difficult to really say that's a dream project because if I have a, a topic which I really like, for example, um, recently I did a concept art for a, uh, a studio in the US and you were looking for like a uh, you know, realistic military concept art of a character. So it's it's supposed to be a AAA studio. And I thought, okay, this was quite a good opportunity to take. And yeah. I, I mean, most artists hate AAA studio, military, like for me, military, right? That's great, you know? And it, it, was a decent, uh, it was a decent price for the commission. So I thought this will probably be what some people consider a dream project. But when you realize that you actually have a limited amount of... Uh, creative control uh-huh. and they you still have to answer to the art director and who have to answer to their you know their other team members and the execs and all that um i guess it's very relative to say what's a dream project to me i enjoy doing what i do like the commissions all of them are most of them not say all but most of them are stuff which i really enjoy so to me a dream project i guess would be something i have creative control and that's why i do my own art because to me that's stuff that I enjoy. To me it's just to be able to enjoy the process of Can I say as a as a Mark Lee fan, my the dream project uh, my I guess it's my dream project that I'd like to see Mark do is uh I'd love to see a Mark Lee graphic novel. Yeah I was thinking that too. (laughs) People have mentioned that but (laughs) I suck at sequential art man I've tried it. (laughs) It's difficult. It's really difficult. You gotta plan the panels, you gotta plan the composition, the character design so that that's a lot of work. That's a lot of work. Yeah. So, what's what do you think uh, the future holds for your you and your artwork and your professional career? I, I feel like I've already. I mean, we've we've known each other, you know, talk off and on for like close to a decade now, right? I yeah, mean, man, time, it's a long time. Time flies. It's pretty crazy, and I feel like I've seen Look, your. It's artwork. a lot more gray in your hair now, and I have a lot less hair on top as well. <laughs> I don't want to talk know. about it. I don't want to talk about it. I start, <laughs> I start getting self-conscious about these things. But yeah, no, we're, we're not getting any younger. But I mean, with that, I mean, I've seen you know your artwork uh, mature uh, and change, and, and I kind of watched some of your work grow and go into different directions. And it's really cool to see that and watch that happen over a period of time. And I'm just curious if you have any thoughts or inclination about where you're heading into the future. Hmm. Not really, actually. I mean, to me, it's always been trying out new stuff. So to give a definite thing? No, I can't think of anything, really. It's just, who knows? I might actually even stop drawing military stuff at some point. Mm -hmm. You know, it depends where the wind takes me. I, I just... To me, it's just about finding something that's interesting. Mm-hmm. Like, I actually like, I find that, for example, if we, if I go traveling with my wife, one of the things I like to do is actually to just sketch the streets nowadays. Mm-hmm. I find it to be very relaxing and very therapeutic, you know. So, yeah, it really depends, I guess. Yeah. So it really is like day-to-day, piece-to-piece? Well, you will definitely still find me drawing military stuff. I don't think that's going to go away anytime soon. But... Yeah, I think as you know, as as we get older, the perspective on things changes. Mm-hmm. 
you know. So uh, what I guess I would choose to draw over time might change as well. Yeah. Do do you or did you at one time read a lot of comics and this is how you knew, like, know about Alex Ross and these people? Or do you just like the art? It's comics, man. Oh, I, it's all comics and books at the back. Oh, I didn't see the comics. Um, who were, like, aside from Art Germ and Alex Ross, like, who were some of your biggest influences when you were coming up and who did you really love and want to emulate? Um, I think the biggest one, Metal Gear Solid. Yoji Shinkawa. Back in the day, that was like, wow, I really love the art. You know, I really love the game. And it was like a big influence. Like that brushy style, uh, you actually will see a lot of it in uh, my art that I try to emulate to some degree. Like the John Wick one, there's a bit of this like, um, there's a bit of this brushiness to it. Mm-hmm. And this all stems from that Yoji Shinkawa style. I mean, it doesn't look anything like his, but that's where it actually is came from so that's one of the big influences you know Metal Gear Solid I think anybody who actually knows me knows that I'm a fanatic for that franchise um, Leno Yu so another one a Filipino artist he's really good I love his line work you know um, Alex Ross you know for the back in the day the colors that he used in a very nice realistic blend one of my friends now today he was actually one of the big influences when I was starting out digital painting. Uh, his online name is Okita Kumuki, but he's uh, better known as Kai Lin. So he's actually younger than me, but like back then I was like, holy shit, this guy's amazing. And then I thought he was from Japan, but he's actually another Singaporean. And then turns out he was also an imaginary friend. So in you know, a stroke of luck, I got to learn a lot from him back in the day. You know, um, I mean, there's a whole bunch of other artists I think yeah, I can't you, think of right now. You, but, you've, tur- yeah. you've turned me on to some people too, Mark. Who is the South Korean artist that does things from the fishbowl perspective? Oh, uh, Kim Jong-gi. I, I, that's unreal. That's surreal. Right? I mean, it's unreal. He also does a few of those military-style illustrations. <laughs> so yeah, he's, he's got good stuff as well. You know, he's famous now. I think um, when I first heard of him, this was like 2010. Back then, he was still like, you know, he's known, but not that well. Now he's like, really big today super wild man so folks out there uh check out lee mark lee on uh instagram it's uh coffee.n.perspective and you can check out a lot of his work on there and uh i guess you you can hit him up on there for commissions is that how it works mark they slide into the yeah man just drop me a dm or something slide into the dms uh Anything else you guys think you we need to hit upon? Because uh, I know it's really late uh, in Singapore, Mark, and I appreciate you. Uh, Dude, it's only one a.m. <laughs> I appreciate you doing this, man. I really do, and um, I, I'm really happy that we were able to put this together for uh, a Christmas episode. I, yeah, I could honestly sit here and talk for the next five hours. Yeah, I but, know. Uh, Me too. <laughs> uh, yeah, we'll we'll have to talk offline about like art and like comic art and artists and stuff like that. It's it's incredible to me. One of the things Jack and I have talked about in the past is whether for good or bad, modern comic books really are it, sort of modern art. You know, it, back in the day, when you look at a comic book cover, there'd be dialogue, there'd be stuff like you knew what was going to happen yeah, in yeah. the comic. Now, yeah. now, the now they're like gorgeous pieces of artwork on the front cover. Yeah. Yeah. You know. But the inside may not reflect the cover. Exactly. That's the difference. That's, yeah, that that can be an issue too. Yeah, right. exactly. Yeah. And and now you know with the Virgin variants where there's no print at all on it, you're. I mean, it's like a piece of art. Like sometimes you buy a comic just because 
of how yeah, yeah. beautiful the I mean, the cover is. sells you the, the entire reason of buying the comic, right? So. Yeah. Yeah, it's definitely an interesting trend. And again, like I said, I don't know if it's for better or worse because, like, does it sell a comic as well as looking at the cover and seeing a part of the story and going, oh, wow, I want to see what happens? Yeah, I don't I know. I do with changing trends, though. Yeah. I, I was I was out at the comic shop this week buying the new issue. Batgirls number one came out, so I was out there buying it for my daughter. And um, there were different covers. One was very cartoony, and the other was like very realistic of the two Batgirls, Cassandra Kane and uh, Samantha Brown, I think it is. Like very realistic, a beautiful piece of artwork, right? And that was the one I bought. Yeah. So I, I mean, not that. I I don't know if I could even tell you why. I just thought, oh, this looks really cool. Yeah. This boils down to personal preference, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But Mark, is there anything else that you want to plug? Anything anywhere that you want to direct people um, to your website or to other social media um, before we uh, we get out of here for tonight? No, man. Sorry, I'm boring that way. Instagram. <laughs> I got I got nothing to plug. Yeah, and we we will put the links down in the description for you guys, um, so you can get to them easily. Um, yeah, again, Mark, thank you for doing this, and um, yeah, thanks for having me, guys. Yeah, I hope we can do it again sometime, actually, because you're right. I mean, we can sit here and just kind of nerd out talking about models <laughs> and comic books all night, and uh, actually, it's been really fun. All right, man. Cheers. <laughs> all right, take care, man. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.